Hello and welcome again to the QuackCast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. No, I'm sorry. I mean supplements, alternative, and complementary medicine, or henceforth to be referred to as scams. This podcast is at the end of February 2007 and is entitled Naturopathy, Quack of All Trades, Master of None. Brock 2 is a side project of Puswell LLC, the publisher of the Persiflage's annotated compendium of infectious disease facts, opinion, and dogma. Your Uber hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases at puswell.com, where you will also find the Persiflage's podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, CME accredited. Now, do you like the shorter intro? See, I listen to what people say. So now on to the meat of the matter, or for you vegans in the audience, the soy patty of the matter. First off, I'm going to observe that this has been the most difficult podcast I have yet to try and write. The practice of naturopathy is such a diffuse collection of nonsense that identifying any one single flaw is impossible. Unlike other scams, which have a unifying technique or theory, naturopathy is more a philosophy and an attitude. By my understanding of the way the world works, it's a silly philosophy, but unlike homeopathy or acupuncture, there's nothing in naturopathic philosophy that is silly in and of itself because it violates some fundamental principle of the natural world. Still, philosophies lead to real-world effects like death and suffering, so here's my take on naturopathy, with many a digression. But then again, it's my podcast and I get to say what I want. Neener, neener, neener. Now, for my first aside, I am what you call an allopathic physician. Now, I don't refer to myself as an allopathic physician. Others do. I call myself a real doctor like a PhD. What's an allopathic doctor? Now this is interesting. The glossary of the Denver Homeopathic Center for Healing defines it as literally different suffering, quote, refers to medicine which focuses on drugs to actively kill cells or smother symptoms. Allopathic medicine also focuses on surgery to cut portions of the body in an attempt to heal dysfunction and disease, end quote. The herbalgram calls it, quote, conventional medicine, that focuses on treating the symptoms of disease primarily through prescription drugs. This approach utilizes a process of reductionism. Man, I'm in trouble there. And finally, the kind naturopaths at optionsnaturopathic.com use the term, quote, for conventional medicine practice that utilizes medications whose effects are different from the disease being treated and have no relationship to the disease symptoms, end quote. Well, that doesn't sound so good to me. So what is allopathy? Well, this term was invented by Hahnemann, the founder of homeopathy and a inveterate coiner of neogelisms like homeopathy. My Macintosh dictionary calls it the treatment of disease by conventional means, i.e. with drugs having opposite effects to the symptoms. WordNet gives a similar definition, quote, the usual method of treating disease with remedies that produce effects differing from those produced by the disease itself. Now remember, the inventor of the word allopathy thought he could cure disease with a drug that caused the same symptoms of disease. And so who does the opposite of this? Allopaths who treat with drugs that cause symptoms different from that of disease. I would like to note here that what medical doctors do in the 21st century has nothing to do with the definition of allopathy. Nothing. 
Modern medicine has nothing to do with treating disease with substances that produce effects that are the opposite of the disease. Quacks love to set up this false dichotomy. Modern medicine understands diseases at a mind-bogglingly sophisticated level. Drugs are not targeted at the symptoms, but at the underlying pathophysiology. Take heartburn. It can be due to a variety of reasons, including production of too much stomach acids. Medicines that block the pump that pumps acid into your stomach is what are given these days to treat acid reflux disease. It has nothing to do with giving drugs that produce the opposite symptoms of heartburn. I could go on to infinity with examples of this. Modern medicine is not about reversing symptoms, but by, it's about giving medications that alter the underlying pathophysiology, often at a cellular level. I cannot think of a single example where medications I give are designed to be effective because they produce opposite effects of the disease. I'm sure there's someone out there who can give me an example. Please send it to me. Give me an example of an allopathic medicine that works on those premises. So let's get one thing straight at the outset. I'm not an allopathic doctor. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a real doctor. The only people who call me an allopath are either hostile to modern medicines or collaborators with or apologists for the quacks, or they do not know how the word is used. I thought of comparing the use of the word allopathy to other groups that have derogatory terms, but I could not come up with an example that didn't make me look way lame. So anyway, on to naturopathy. What is a naturopath? What is naturopathy? Well, the master of neogilisms, Hahnemann, did not come up with the term naturopathy. The term was coined in the 1800s by a Dr. John Scheel, but it was actually purchased in 1902 by a doctor named Benedict Lust, gotta love that name, who went on to become the founder of modern, use the term modern in quotes, naturopathy. Those two words just don't seem to belong together, do they? Modern and naturopathy. Anyway, Dr. Lust had what he thought was a case of tuberculosis that was cured by hydrotherapy, a popular therapy at the turn of the 19th century that consisted of having water poured on you until your illness was cured. Needless to say, it was subsequently determined that this therapy was all wet, hardy, har, har. But as a result of his alleged illness, being cured by a worthless therapy, he became a tireless proponent for what he considered to be natural medicine. He was quite the entrepreneur, and he went on to organize conventions, the first naturopathic college, the first national naturopathic organization, the American Institute of Naturopathy. You can really say that never was so much stupidity generated by the inability to recognize that association is not causality. But he was also the first to call himself a naturopath. This word comes from the Latin natural, meaning early painful death, and path, meaning the road to. Now, as an important piece of back history during the beginning of the last century, that one of the defining moments of modern medicine was the Flexner Report of 1910. Flexner was a high school principal who went to all the medical schools in the United States and made a report that decried the sloppy and inconsistent character of medical education. Medical schools at the time had no standards and could teach anything. It was the Flexner Report with its call to establish scientific medicine that started the bifurcation in medical care that we see today. There is the science-based medicine, which is the heir to Flexner, and there's all the quack stuff. But at the turn of the century, when all these quackeries were being codified into the quackery we know and love today, it was often as a 
reaction to the Flexner report and the need for scientific medicine. Now, naturopathy and other scams that develop in the 19th century as a result often define themselves and do so today as to how they differ from how real doctors work. Now, I'm inclined to cut people a little slack at the turn of the century because they were coming up with a paradigm under which to practice medicine, and so little was really known about disease at the time. A good understanding of modern medicine was 50 to 60 years away, so you have to cut them a little slack about their insights into the cause of illness. But people today should know better. But then, well, they really didn't have much to work with. Now, Dr. Lust was a believer in anything that didn't work as long as it was natural. And this included, but was not limited to, massage, herbs, homeopathy, spinal manipulation, and occult healing. And that approach continues in today's naturopaths. Unlike many forms of scams that focus in a particular area, naturopaths are an eclectic bunch. As an area of study and practice, naturopathy has waxed and waned, mostly waning through the last century until the resurgence of quackery in the late 20th century and has prospered somewhat thanks to the general interest that has occurred in natural and alternative medicines. There are at least two naturopathic organizations in the United States and they don't get along. There's the ANMA, the American Naturopathic Medical Association. They call themselves the oldest. It was established in 1981. And the largest, they have a whopping 4,000 members. They also seem to be the keepers of the flame of purity of the philosophy of naturopathy. And they have no truck with the ANNP, the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, who they castigate for falling into some of the evil practices that real doctors do, like suturing and antibiotics. The ANMA website also looks more old school when compared to the AANP. And you can find copies of their journal, which is a truly amazing collection of interesting ideas on the pathophysiology of disease, most of which have nothing to do with reality. So they're the traditional naturopaths who basically function as your mother. They tell you to eat right, sleep, exercise, and drink plenty of water. Like you need to pay people for that? A traditional naturopath avoids procedures that are common to Medicare, including, as this is from their website, diagnosing disease, treating disease, prescribing drugs and pharmaceuticals, and performing invasive procedures. The traditional naturopaths are of the Coalition of National Health and find abhorrent the AANP for, among other reasons, support for some vaccines for children, which they consider anathema, and antibiotics for infections. It strikes me that the traditional naturopaths are more part of zero population growth than they are for providing patient care. According to the traditional naturopaths, quote, on examination, it is clear that members of the AANP who are pushing for regulation of the naturopathic profession are not practicing true naturopathy. I love that. True believers can always recognize a heretic, I always like the phrase true Christian or true naturopath. So these people do not get along. And then there are the heretics who are trying to be more like real doctors whom the real naturopaths abhor. Cardiologists or infectious disease doctors for that matter may be interchangeable, but you may get any number of different philosophies depending on which kind of naturopath you go to. You have several choices in how one gets a naturopathic degree. There are nine naturopathic schools in the United States and Canada. And I am ever so proud that Portland, Oregon, my hometown, is the home of one of these colleges. And naturopaths abound in the Pacific Northwest. 
Oregon is a state with a lot of tolerance, a good thing as a rule, so all sorts of goofiness thrives here, according to the Annals of Internal Medicine. In fact, naturopathy is the most commonly practiced in the United States. I knew there had to be a flaw of living in Oregon, and it took me 50 years to figure it out what it is. The published minimum GPA to get into naturopathic school is about 2.5 to 3.0, C plus to B. Not the cream of the intellectual crop, says the snobbish physician. And you do not even need to go to a real brick-and-mortar school to get a degree. Online and correspondence courses are available. Fortunately, one does not need a rigorous education to become a naturopath. The curriculum is published online of these various colleges is a hodgepodge of all the scam nonsense available, often combined with what appears to be a real science course. How they teach these contradictions between scams and real medicine is unknown to me. If you look at the curriculum at Baster College, yes, Baster, B-A-S-T-Y-R, maybe I pronounce it wrong, but I couldn't come up with these names if I tried. You Baster, you killed Kitty! But they have classes in physiology, biochemistry, and microbiology alongside classes on hydrotherapy, homeopathy, and spinal manipulation. At my local naturopathic college, they teach Qi Dong, then they teach Moxie Combustion along with, along with what they refer to as Integrative Anatomy, Physiology, and Biochemistry. What I like most is that they teach both quote, human organ systems, end quote, and Chinese organ system, end quote, implying either that the Chinese have different organ systems than the rest of us or that the Chinese are not human, neither of which, of course, appear to be true. I cannot, for the life of me, fathom how people can carry two mutually incompatible ideas in their brain at the same time. I guess in the case of naturopathic grads, they let the modern biochemistry thoughts fall by the wayside as they pick up their diploma. The problem, of course, with modern biomedicine is education does not hopefully end with graduation, but requires a lifelong commitment to continuing medical education, not required in the scam since the founders of these various disciplines have the truth written with a large T that doesn't ever need to be altered. In the great state of Oregon, as well as a few other states, naturopaths are licensed, and I always thought the double O was mythical. Licensure is not always wanted by naturopathic physicians, especially the true naturopaths who worry that it will lead to regulation and like the allopaths, their term not mine, they might actually have to show competency and be regulated and to have to show evidence that horror of horrors, what they do is effective. They worry about licensure because, quote, many will assume that the naturopaths whose education and methods for practice most closely resemble those of allopathic physicians will be the most qualified. These practitioners are not the true naturopaths, end quote. Having a license, by the way, is not the same as being regulated. A license most often serves as a way for the state to get your money. I can vouch for that. I have a license to both practice medicine and a business license, but neither of the organizations that collect my money have regulatory oversight over how I practice day-to-day -day medicine unless I do something illegal or immoral or, most importantly, fail to send in my yearly fee. However, what really distinguishes a naturopath from their fellow scam travelers is their philosophy. What is that philosophy? Let's go to the homepage of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. The motto of the AANP is, by the way, Physicians Who Listen. I like the rhyme, but they forgot the second part, but don't understand.
this is a good place for someone to write in complaining that their doctor doesn't listen to what they're saying. I'm sorry, were you speaking to me? I digress here to postulate without proof, but based on 25 years of interviewing patients, this problem may and stem in large part from the disconnect from what doctors need to hear to make an accurate diagnosis and the information given by the patient, which is often filled with unimportant, at least to making the diagnosis, details of their illnesses. Scams have a real advantage over real doctors and that the information that has no real bearing on diagnosing the nature of the illness or the subsequent therapy, so they can listen for hours. When all the information that you gather is relevant, then probably none of the information is relevant. Part of being a doctor is trying to recognize the wheat amongst all the chaff. But back to naturopathic philosophy. The rules that guide naturopathic medicine. Quote, naturopathic physicians are guided in their treatment decisions by the idea that is the nature of all things to return to balance. There are not many words in Western medicine for the inner wisdom that guides internal processes that lead to health or disease. Naturopathic medicine calls this inner wisdom the healing power of nature, or in Latin, the vis medicatrix naturae. I'm sure I'm pronouncing the Latin wrong. And that's the guiding force behind naturopathic medicine, that you need to return to a balance. Often as you read through the literature, this is always in contra diction either explicitly or implicitly to what real physicians do. Now they talk about the healing power of nature. I am more impressed with the power of nature to induce illness. Humans in their natural state had a life expectancy less than 40 years. And natural is never really defined well. The AANP says a basic assumption is that nature is orderly and that orderliness is designed to result in ongoing life and well-being. This dependable orderliness is believed to be guided by a kind of inner wisdom that everyone has. This inner wisdom can be assisted to return the person to their best balance by naturopathic treatments. I have no idea what this means. I suppose the inner wisdom that needs balancing is in my gallbladder, but I'm not really certain. I always think that everything humans do is natural because we are part of the natural world. And I've always liked the idea that for humans, nothing is unnatural, just untried. Now let's go through the precepts of naturopathy. First, do no harm. Always nice in theory, but for some illnesses, as the old adage goes, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. I still think that most of the time, if the therapy has no potential for side effects, it has no potential for efficacy. And if you do no harm, well, if you practice worthless nonsense, then your intervention will cause no direct harm, like I get to do for a living, but will cause indirect harm by providing useless therapy. And homeopathy and hydrotherapy will not harm you, but your disease will progress unaffected. And the thing about alternative medicine that it is your fault if you don't get better, because it's your fault for not being able to get into balance. An unmeasured harm of all scams is they set you up as it being your fault that the therapy doesn't work. As noted, naturopathy helps you find your inner wisdom. If it doesn't work, you can't find your wisdom. You didn't get better, you have only yourself to blame. Two, find and treat the cause. The great straw man of naturopathy. Real doctors, they say, do not treat the cause of disease, we only treat symptoms. This is such BS, it gives me hives every time I hear it. Cause, of course, being an interesting concept, since my diagnosis and 
concept of cause is not the same as their cause of disease. A naturopathic cause is not the same as a medical cause. How can you find and treat a cause when it's mostly a fictional construct, given their near-complete repudiation of modern medicine and the lack of understanding of basic biomedical principles? Can naturopathy really find a cause of illness? Nope. I spend my days, of course, in the world of infectious diseases, so I'm biased. The diseases I treat are usually caused by a microorganism trying to kill or harm you. Part of an orderly nature for most of man's existence has meant death from infection, and I am glad I can offer a real, unnatural alternative to this. I and most of my colleagues do not treat symptoms. We find and treat the real cause of your illness. Principle three, treat the whole person, mind, body, and spirit for optimal health. Again, this sounds good. This touchy-feely precept of all scams is very powerful because everybody wants to be treated and considered as a unique individual. Unfortunately, the power of modern biomedicine's ability to heal comes in part from the realization that people are not as individual as we would like. People exist within a very narrow operating parameters, and while there's always variation in both the response to disease and the response to therapies, that variation is fairly minor. I have extensive clinical trials on large numbers of people to help guide my decisions for therapy. People hate being just another lymphoma patient or pneumonia patient or hypertension patient. Physicians hate practicing, quote, cookbook medicine, unquote, even though the data is very clear that when you depersonalize patients and treat them like they are part of a group rather than an individual, you get better outcomes. It's sad to say, but it's true. If I mindlessly follow the guidelines for the treatment of community-acquired pneumonia, your chances of surviving are better than if I try and individualize your therapy. And that's increasingly clear in modern medicine, and people don't like that. Patients are always making asides as to their individuality and uniqueness, often if nothing more than, it's just like me to have something unusual. I never get a common problem. Part of the art of medicine is applying population data we know to the individual in front of us, but the power of the information at our disposal tends to make medicine a top-down proposal from the herd to the individual, and this detracts from personalization. People want to be unique, even if their uniqueness manifests just like everyone else. I'm thinking here of tattoos and goatees. Principle four, prevent disease. Sounds good. But again, my definition of prevention is different from their definition of prevention. I think prevention includes things like, oh, I don't know, vaccines, which along with flush toilets and good nutrition are the reasons that we get to live into our 80s or our ancestors died in their 30s. As an example of prevention, a survey of students attending a naturopathic school this century found that only 12% would favor full pediatric vaccination series and in another survey found children who attended a naturopathic clinic had markedly lower rates of vaccination compared to the population as a whole. The anti-vaccination bias of naturopaths and scams in general is well documented. Vaccines are the single most important preventative that modern medicine has ever come up with and are probably responsible for more lives saved than anything else we've ever done. Vaccines are hog heaven, and to, to be against vaccines is to be against healthy human beings. Principle five is physician as teacher. Again, you can't argue with the concept, but I return here to the concept of GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. 
the teacher has nothing to offer but nonsense to teach, what really is the student going to learn? Naturopathy is a lot like the Monty Python bit where the foreign language to English book translated nothing but nonsense. And the guy goes into the cheese shop and reads from the book, May I fundle your buttocks? This is what the naturopaths have to teach. All these precepts sound great in theory. Natural therapies, do no harm, find and treat the cause, treat the whole person, prevent disease, physician as teacher. It's what all physicians do if they're doing their job correctly. They're the standards by which I try and practice medicine for the most part. However, I don't use tools that are nonsense to apply these precepts. What are the tools that are used by naturopaths of which I am so dismissive? The scope of naturopathic medicine is, again, I quote from their website, acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, herbal medicine, lifestyle and nutrition counseling, hydrotherapy, spinal manipulation, homeopathy, intravenous nutrition, detoxification and colonic therapy, drug therapy, aromatherapy, biofeedback, reiki, adruvedic medicine. In fact, crap, crap, and more crap. If, as the proverb says, you can judge a man by the company he keeps, the naturopaths keep company with an impressive array of worthless nonsense. But then, maybe it works. What is the evidence for naturopathy as a discipline as opposed to an excellent marketing tool for nonsense? Does a holistic approach work? It must, or why else would there be so many colleges churning out naturopaths? They wouldn't be taking these students' money and putting ill people at risk for unproven nonsense, would they? Would they? Well, if you do a medline using the search term naturopathy, you get 644 references. When you look at them, they're virtually all either reviews of naturopathy or surveys of its use. By the way, is it naturopathy or naturopathy? I don't know. Trying to narrow the search down to clinical trials for naturopathy, you get a grand total of four. Three of these are on otitis media, and one is for sore throat, and all concern the use of herbal preparations for the treatment of these two illnesses, rather than specific naturopathic holistic approach. There are no studies that demonstrate, quote, the whole person approach used by naturopathic physicians, end quote, as mentioned in the Annals article on black cohash in the last podcast. As mentioned in the Journal of Family Practice in an amazing puff piece on naturopathy, called apparently with no irony intended, Applied Evidence, Naturopathic Medicine, What Can Patients Expect? Quote, Documenting the safety and efficacy of naturopathic interventions presents significant challenges, e.g. the limitations of reductionist approach of allopathic research models when applied to complex interventions. I don't know. I read the New England Journal of Medicine every week. They are pretty good at evaluating complex interventions. It isn't that hard, especially if they're plausible and they work. However, if what you have to offer is irrational magic and supernatural theories that are not prone to evaluation by standard scientific research, damn the natural world and its constant explanation with the scientific method. So, best as I can tell, there are no clinical trials using the narrow paradigm of, well, reality to test the efficacy of the natural approach. So, there is no data to suggest that the principles espoused by naturopaths are any different from what a good, real doctor does, 
or even that they practice what they preach. Are there complications for naturopathy? Well, since they have no specific irrational modality for treating patients, naturopaths can kill and harm you with an impressive variety of ways. Acupuncture, chiropractic, and the two case reports I could find, one person in Oregon was killed with chelation therapy, a topic of a future podcast, and sepsis from contaminated vitamin C infusion. But then, as always, if you don't believe in germ theory, why would you expect these people to follow good hygiene? So, what have we learned? Naturopaths are an eclectic bunch with a wide variation in their practices and whom embrace virtually any form of quackery as valid so long as it has no supporting evidence and contradicts reality. It is an impressive advertising umbrella for a wide number of useless and potentially dangerous quack modalities. Use it at your own risk. For parting shot, I will quote from The Onion, from an article entitled, Rogue Scientist Has His Own Scientific Method. Quote, if you're looking for some button-down traditionalist who relies on so-called induction, conventional logic, and verification to arrive at the scientific community calls proof, then I'm afraid you've got the wrong guy, said the intrepid 44-year-old rebel who last month unveiled a revolutionary new model of atomic structure that contradicted 300 years of precedence. But if you want your results fast with some flair, then come to me and I'll prove the boiling point of water is actually 457 degrees Fahrenheit, end quote. I think this guy went on to found a naturopathic school. So that's the end of this podcast. An occasional review and rant on alternative medicine. I have some new Mac widgets if you want to listen to this on your Macintosh without using iTunes or an MP3 player. This is brought to you by a side project of Pusswear.com, where you will find the Persiflages podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, where you can even get free Type 1 CME. This is copyright 2006 by the Creative Commons. References and show notes can be linked from Quackcast.com, where old podcasts are archived as well. Send your hate mail and spam and questions about quackery to knowitall at Quackcast.com. I will do my best to answer Feedback would be of great interest, both positive and negative. I wouldn't mind being called an ignorant tool of the medical industrial complex if you see fit. Most people have been most kind in their reviews of this work. The one person who gave me one star made my nine-year-old cry. Just kidding. I would be interested in what you think of this particular podcast because I'm distinctly unsatisfied with it. I've been writing this for a good month and a half, and I still don't like the results, but it reaches a point where you have to move on. The music is by my son when he was 12, improvising in the guitar. And so now if you excuse me, I need to go get in better balance.